listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Bonnie Willis has consented to be here with us. And so my only request from this family today is, this is a really hard job I'm trying to do. And I am an imperfect human being, but I can literally feel the people who loves me's prayers. None of us would ever say, you know, I really want to fall asleep with Sean Hannity's voice just echoing in my mind. I really want Laura Ingram and Jesse Waters to catechize me in the good, the right, the true, and the beautiful. The alternative is a we-before-me approach to marriage. And what we find is that couples who kind of really think about their marriage in terms of us and our family are more likely today to be flourishing. The new miracles today are the sacraments. Because if you go with the definition that a miracle at the time of Jesus was the creator, come to his creation to set it free, That's what Jesus does in the sacraments. Missouri dairy farmers love issues, etc. The technology has been with us for so long now, and it's so commonly practiced that many people who probably should raise an eyebrow about in vitro fertilization ethically do not consider it a problem. Just last week, President Trump, in response to a Supreme Court decision in Alabama, declaring that these embryos, the frozen embryos in the case of a lawsuit brought there in that state, are in fact children. President Trump said, well, we should all support in vitro fertilization. He doesn't seem to understand the ethical problems. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Monday afternoon, the 26th of February. We're going to talk about the Alabama Supreme Court ruling that frozen embryos are children, Jennifer Lull will join us. Then we'll spend some time getting an update on the 2024 presidential race. Mark Hemingway of Real Clear Investigations will bring us that. Jennifer Lull spent 25 years as a pediatric critical care nurse, a hospital administrator, and a senior level nursing manager. She's founder of the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network, director and producer of the films Exploitation, Anonymous Father's Day, Breeders, a subclass of women, Maggie Story, and Hashtag Big Fertility. Jennifer, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Tell us about the recent decision by the Alabama Supreme Court regarding in vitro fertilization. Sure. This revolves around a particular case where three individual couples in Alabama had embryos frozen. And for reasons I can't imagine why, a patient in that facility randomly stumbled into the fertility side of the clinic and took these embryos out of the freezer and dropped them. This is per the Supreme Court report. And these couples filed a wrongful death under the Alabama Wrongful Death of a Minor Act. The lower courts denied their case, saying that because the embryos were frozen and not in a womb, that they were not protected under this piece of legislation. Now, keep in mind that the Alabama law, the Wrongful Death of a Minor Act, includes children preborn, so pregnant women, if for some reason they're assaulted or harmed and that causes the death of their unborn child, that child can be, you know, seen as a wrongful death. The Supreme Court in Alabama fortunately heard this case and the Supreme Court said, sorry, 
it doesn't matter the location of the embryo, whether it be in the mother's womb or in a frozen lab, and therefore it is protected under this piece of legislation. And that immediately just caused an uproar from the right and the left. And I would say that's because most people don't really understand the actual piece of legislation and how the courts ruled finally in recognizing that these unborn frozen human embryos could be protected. How do you respond to a popular social media meme stating that since these embryos are frozen, it proves they're not alive? Well, they are alive. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, how do you prove it's called science. You know, when an embryo is dead, it stops growing and it stops doing the cell division, the things that we do that help us grow and become a live birth and then a, a young adult. So to say that they're not alive, they're not dead because we don't freeze dead embryos. Why would parents create embryos and then if they're dead, freeze them because they cannot be implanted to have future children, which is the reason why they implant them in the beginning. They want to have future children. So if they're dead, they would never be able to become future children. What is IVF? Describe it to us. Well, IVF literally means outside the body. So anytime egg Eggs are outside of a woman's body. Embryos are created outside the woman's body. That's considered in vitro fertilization or what we also call assisted reproduction. So it's the technique of removing eggs out of a woman's body, taking sperm out of a man's body, creating conception in the laboratory where sperm meets egg, and then you have a zygote, blastocyte, embryo, fetus, and then eventually a live birth, a baby. Why is IVF ethically problematic? Well, I guess I would want to know what they mean by ethically. I mean, I've been in this space for a, a very long time. We know that IVF has a very, very high failure rate. I mean, 20% of all IVF cycles in the United States eventually become an actual baby because there's such a failure rate. Uh, you know, we have a half a million and a half frozen human embryos in the United States. Why do we have so many? Because we know many embryos will die along the way. So we create a lot in the hopes that we will get a baby eventually. We know that IVF, because we've been doing this long enough, is not only harmful to women's health, but it's also harmful to children that are created this way. We're getting studies coming out that this is problematic for women and children. So, you know, I don't understand how somebody could argue that you could do a procedure or technique and call it ethical or pro-life when we know just the data shows that there's so much embryo demise, so much embryos die along the way. Go into some more detail on the health effects of IVF on women. Well, women who have babies through assisted reproduction have higher incidences of high-risk pregnancies. We see premature birth. We see low birth weight babies because these pregnancies are high risk. And of course, if you're a premature birth, baby born prematurely, you know, that baby is also going to have perhaps lifelong complications just as a result of being a premature birth. As far as other things, you know, maternal gestational diabetes, hypertension, it's often more at risk of cesarean delivery, which we know a cesarean birth is risky to women and to the children. So it's like the more technology that you layer on, the more you sort of add on risks and harms to the procedures. Why is freezing the embryo not a solution? 
Oh, well, you know, we haven't really done a whole lot of research on what happens when we freeze human embryos and those children that eventually become a live birth. I think it was about a year and a half, maybe even two years ago now, a couple in the United States actually rescued and implanted, adopted a frozen embryo that had been frozen for more years than this couple had been living. We don't know what the complications we might see down the road on these children that were frozen for 5, 10, 20 years plus. And we don't know that, you know, when you're freezing these embryos, they're also in a, a, a solution or a medium, a culture to try to preserve them. And what is the impact or negative impact perhaps on that technique and that solution that these embryos are stored in for a long time. You know, I often tell people, you know, if you have food in your freezer that's been in your freezer for five or 10 years, you throw it away. You don't thaw it out and serve it to the family for dinner. We haven't even begun to think about what kind of long-term complications we might be putting onto these children. Can IVF be performed without these unethical practices? I don't think so because I see the risk to women's health and to children's health. I know that there's a lot of, you know, and particularly in the in the Christian world or uh, people of faith or people who say that they're pro-life, you know, they say, well, we'll only create one embryo. Well, we won't do any genetic testing. So if it's an embryo with Down syndrome, we won't discard it. We'll still implant it. So they try to do all these sort of, well, we'll do it this way and then it will be okay. But you're still presuming that this woman will be put at risk. I'm just taking powerful fertility drugs. We know fertility drugs in the medical literature have links to causing cancers. We know now that children created through IVF technique are at risk for heart disease, particular cancers, genetic disorders. Yes, you may be able to do IVF and be fine and not having any of those risks. Yes, the child born may be fine and not be at risk for any of those complications, but we know that those risks are there. So why would we be doing something that's risky to their health? We know it has a high failure rate. We know it's very expensive. Tens and tens of thousands of dollars are spent even doing what people might try to think is ethical IVF. So, you know, I always say that there's a point to be made where you could meet somebody halfway on their sort of worldview on this issue and sort of talk them into being like, yeah, maybe I didn't really think through this. Maybe I didn't know enough about these technologies to know that these harms are very real and present. Former President Trump expressed support for IVF last week. What does he need to know about what happens in IVF? Well, first, his response was in reaction to what the Alabama Supreme Court did. So first, he needs to know that Alabama already has this wrongful death of a minor statute. And he needs to know about these three couples that had their embryos accidentally or intentionally destroyed. And he needs to understand that the, the actual statute by law in Alabama protects those embryos that were destroyed, that were frozen. So he needs to understand first that case. Then he needs to understand that IVF is risky to women's health and to children's health, and that there's alternatives. There's this whole field of what's called restorative reproductive medicine. And it's not sexy, and it doesn't make anybody a lot of money, but it is minimal risk, and it is a, it's truly the ethical way to help 
couples, male and female couples who were dealing with infertility, have babies. I've been speaking to countless women who went to the fertility clinic, they and their husbands, because they were not able to conceive, were still not able to conceive, spent tens of thousands of dollars. And then they stumbled on these practitioners who practice this restorative type of reproductive medicine. One woman I know in Dallas, Texas, just gave birth to a healthy baby boy. Another young woman is pregnant and getting ready to deliver in June. But this doesn't make hospitals a lot of money. It doesn't make physicians who practice fertility medicine a lot of money. So I'm just trying to let people know that there is another way that truly is ethical, and it's affordable, and it's not risky to maternal child health. Jennifer Lawl is our guest. We're talking about an Alabama Supreme Court ruling that frozen embryos are children. We will talk about the relationship between IVF and the abortion issue next. Listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. Join Lutherans for Life at the for such a time as this Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Enjoy the testimony and talents of Dove Award-winning musician and adoptee Mark Schultz. Discover expert information and exciting opportunities, and experience the fellowship and celebration. The 2024 Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston. Find out more and register at lutheransforlife.org conferences. Defending life from beginning to end. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memorial Press's award-winning curriculum is used by homeschoolers all over the world. Their classical Christian education materials provide everything you need for kindergarten through 12th grade, including books, guides, lesson plans, and instructional videos. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Theology has consequences. It doesn't live just in ivory towers, but actually in the very choices and daily lives of God's people as they live out what they believe and confess in the world. To learn more about how theology affects our daily lives, this February issue of The Lutheran Witness discusses how the theology of Simonex affected the very lives of God's people in the LCMS and how God worked to preserve his church. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. On this Monday, February the 26th, Jennifer Law of the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network is our guest. We're talking about an Alabama Supreme Court ruling that frozen embryos are children. Jennifer, how is IVF related to the abortion issue? Well, this is the rub. You know, we're going to have to have a serious conversation in the United States about 
the intersection of the, the abortion debate and assisted reproduction. I was reading an article last week on a new technique that's coming along. I worked way many years ago with the physician who's called the father of fetal surgery. I mean, we were doing surgery on fetuses that had not yet been born, so that once they were born, whatever defect they had was corrected. Now that's moved into fetal surgery plus CRISPR technology, which is the gene editing technology, which scares me. But we're spending all this energy to try to, when an unborn child was not yet born, fix whatever defect, repair whatever illness they might have, so when they're born, they're healthy. Why are we doing all that kind of research, spending millions of dollars understanding the -the in-the-womb illnesses that babies have? But then on the other hand, we say that baby in the womb isn't a person. (laughs) Well, why are we doing surgery on fetuses then in the womb if they're not people? So I think we have a a little crisis here that we're going to have to come to terms with. And I think that is why this case in Alabama, which should have been innocuous. I mean, I live in California where we had the Scott Peterson and Lacey Peterson big double murder case. Scott Peterson is serving life in prison for killing his wife and his unborn child. And nobody in California, a very liberal, a very pro-abortion state, is not up in arms because California recognized the wrongful death of an unborn child. So, you know, we're just going to have to start really reconciling these disparate beliefs and opinions and views in light of these advances in fertility medicine and reproductive procedures. Respond to someone who says, look, your objections ignore the plight of the childless couple who've tried every way they can possibly do to have a child and they've resorted to IVF. What do you say? I'd point them to the reproductive physicians who were practicing this restorative medicine approach. You know, I would tell them the stories of of women who were desperate for a child, couples who were desperate for a child, who tried everything and, and were not successful. So I would say, you know, why don't you go visit these physicians over here? which are having a lot of successes in in helping people. Have you thought about that? Have you tried that? So I would definitely point them in that direction. I often will say the last time I checked, the world is still full of orphans. So there's other ways to fulfill your desires and wishes and wants to be parents by opening your homes to children that are already here that don't have a home and need a family. So those are just some things right off the top of my head. But I'm becoming such a cheerleader for the regenerative, restorative (laughs) approach in fertility care. Now, of course, we live in the United States where we recognized the ability for single people to have children and for same-sex couples to have children. And these sort of techniques of assisted reproductive technology and even the restorative approach will not help same-sex couples conceive because there's no underlying fertility problem. But for your basic infertile couple who desperately wants a child, I'd say go see a restorative reproductive physician. How do you respond to those, especially it's being touted much in the media, who say that IVF laws like those in Alabama negatively impact the health of women? 
Well, the, the law in Alabama, it doesn't have any impact on the woman. It has an impact on the, the wrongful death of a minor, and that minor being in the womb or outside of the womb or in a frozen storage in a fertility clinic. So it doesn't negatively impact women's health. People are really losing their minds saying things like IVF is going to be prohibited and banned. No, what's going to happen because of this action of the Supreme Court in Alabama is that fertility clinics, if they're going to be in the business of freezing and storing human embryos, have to be way more secure in their policies, making sure that random people in the hospital don't stumble in and take them out of the freezer and drop them on the floor. (laughs) How would you respond to the objection that objections like yours stand in the way of scientific progress? I would just say I've been following the science for 25 years. So I don't stand in the way of science. I stand in the way of an ethical science. I stand in the way of advancements that are going to do harm and damage to maternal child health. I mean, you you introduced me as being a pediatric nurse for, for decades. I worked in academic hospitals. I love science. I love advancements in medicine. But what I don't countenance is, you know, this anything that's unethical. Physician do no harm. I know that assisted reproductive technologies have high potential to harm women's health and to harm the health and well-being of children yet to be born. So I think that would be my kind of pushback to them is that I'm very up to speed on the science and I'm very much up to speed on the ethics. Jennifer Law spent 25 years as a pediatric critical care nurse, a hospital administrator, and a senior-level nursing manager. She's founder of the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network, director and executive producer of the films Exploitation, Anonymous Father's Day, Breeders, a subclass of women, Maggie's Story, and hashtag Big Fertility. You'll find a link to the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Jennifer, thank you again. Thank you. Jennifer mentioned adoption as a God-pleasing alternative to in vitro fertilization. You can learn more at the Lutheran Adoption Conference, April 10th and 11th in Houston, Texas. Lutheransforlife.org slash conferences. Lutheransforlife.org slash conferences. Mark Hemingway will get us an update on the 2024 presidential race next. that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and his word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools.